Welcome to The Debrief, an official podcast from the Australasian College of Paramedicine. During each episode, we'll hear from frontline professionals discussing the challenges and obstacles they face, providing advice and solutions to problems you may encounter in your own professional life. We'll gain insight into what inspires them and keeps them motivated while we hear about best practice and clinical experiences. Here is your host. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello listeners and welcome to episode two of The Debrief. My name is Levi Kushimkus. I'm a registered paramedic here in Geelong, Victoria. Uh, before I introduce today's guest, a quick shout out to the person who came up uh, with the name of our college podcast, uh, The Debrief. Uh, that person was Lockie Edwards in Victoria. We uh, held a competition, Lockie won. Thank you for the name suggestion, Lockie, uh, and congratulations. So today I'm joined uh, by our special guest, Aleka Miles. Uh, Aleka? is a registered paramedic in Western Australia. She is the course coordinator for the Edith Cowan University Postgraduate Paramedic Practitioner Program. Now, outside of the academic space, Alec is also employed what many of us would consider a, a contemporary or a unique role. She's actually employed as a paramedic at a GP practice. Um, she's certainly the only paramedic that I know working in this space, so I'm eager to hear more about this. So, Alec, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Levi. Uh, my first question to you, uh, it's just a broad, broad one. If you could just tell us a bit about you, yourself, and where you started out in paramedicine and, and where, you, where you are now. Okay. So it seems like yesterday, but back in 2005, I started as a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed graduate paramedic from Victoria University with Metropolitan Ambulance Service. So I actually remember the merger. Uh, to what was then AV a few years later. And I spent just under 10 years with Ambulance Victoria uh, before relocating to Perth, where I got seconded into a role at Edith Cowan University a couple of years after moving here um, as a lecturer. And since then, I've progressed on to be a course coordinator and have been lucky enough just last year after the pandemic sort of settled down in Western Australia momentarily um, to get an opportunity to work in somewhere different in a GP surgery here in Perth. That's great. Uh, so my first question to you about uh, your work as a paramedic is actually going to be about that uh, untraditional, un un unconventional paramedic role outside of the ambulance sector. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about what your role is there at the GP clinic and um, what you've learned in that role? And, and um, you know, as a side note, what it's been like interacting with ambulance paramedics, because I assume they come to your clinic a couple of times. They certainly have. So the role that I'm undertaking um, is what is traditionally being fulfilled and most commonly fulfilled by a nurse um, or practice nurse. And that involves a bit of a combination of things so at our GP surgery we have quite a broad scope of practice for the GP so it's not just people coming in for scripts and that sort of thing um, we have a treatment room and quite a number of GPs that perform uh, procedures uh, mainly skin cancer removals or biopsies so in my role I do a combination of treatment room uh, assistance, I guess, in the sense that I've done my immunisation certificate. So I'm providing immunisations for children 
um, from six weeks of age up to the elderly, obviously, and everyone in between. Um, I also assist in the procedure room doing uh, basic closures and I'm hoping to progress to being able to suture in the not too distant future. I did get to staple someone's wound closed on their head a few months ago and that's probably been the highlight of my GP career so far. (laughs) It was pretty cool. Um, Also do a lot of primary health care and chronic disease management things. So we do uh, health assessments mostly for people over 75 and that's an annual thing. And I get to do that going out to people's homes for the first part and then also in the clinic as well as some care planning for chronic diseases and making sure that everybody's uh, team care arrangements are in place and sorted out. So it's quite a range of things. And we're also an urgent care clinic. So people can come in with walk-ins and generally when that happens or someone comes in that's sicker than someone that can be sent home usually I get a knock on my door if I'm with another patient that's not that sick uh, to come and help out so that's I guess a bit about the role and we have had a few ambulances um, attend and there have been people that I've worked with or met through my time at Edith Cowan or through other paramedics that I know here and um, I think the thing that sticks with me is probably the look of shock on their face when they see me standing there because obviously you don't really expect a paramedic to be working in a GP clinic Um, but yeah it's been good because slowly and takes time because we've been quite busy um, over recent months we're sort of getting a better procedure in place to help with making sure that we have our patients well prepared for the paramedics when they do arrive because I'm sure you and many of the listeners out there of paramedics sometimes get, I certainly did when I was working in an ambulance, get frustrated going to GP surgeries because you always felt like they weren't necessarily uh, prepared and ready and you didn't necessarily get enough information um, at times from certain doctors. But having worked now with the GPs I can understand now why patients appeared to us to be underprepared when they'd seen a doctor I certainly used to wonder why my patients that had chest pain at a GP surgery didn't have a cannula ring and why they hadn't had a 12 lead done and why they hadn't had GTN and why they hadn't had all of these sorts of other things done GPs are like other medical specialties so surgeons that are specialized in cardiothoracics they're experts at cardiothoracic surgery if you put them down in ed would we expect them to then be able to say put a traction splint on a fractured femur and probably be a bit of a unrealistic expectation you wouldn't ask them to do that straight away um gps aren't routinely cannulating patients they're not routinely doing 12 lead ecgs um we do iron infusions in our GP clinics. So myself and a couple of the practice nurses, we are the ones that are routinely cannulating in the GP surgery. The 12 lead ECGs are done by myself and by the other practice nurses as well. So the GPs, unless they're there by themselves, aren't usually having to do the 12 lead ECGs. Um, That would usually be done by the practice nurses. I don't know about other practices, whether that's a routine thing for everybody else at those practices if they don't have a machine, Um, because we know they're expensive. Um, so yeah, it's given me a much better appreciation why I guess not all of our patients were how I would have expected them or perceived them to be ready to go to hospital when they were unwell at a GP surgery. Um, but it's also allowed me on the flip side of that to work with the GPs and the practice nurses to start implementing some better procedures and a bit of a checklist and the sorts of things that 
and the information that's important for the hospital and for the um, paramedics who are transporting the patient. Yeah, it's a fascinating insight into primary care. And a lot of the points you touched on there, it makes you wonder why we haven't been involved in this space before. Um, is this a role that uh, an ambulance paramedic could apply for at the moment? Are there other opportunities within Western Australia or Greater Australia for paramedics? Um, it's an interesting question, Levi. Um, one that hopefully my PhD will touch on in future years and publish. Um, but there is certainly some challenges as far as... Um, Fair Work, Australia policies and that sort of thing pose. Uh, currently, because we're only newly registered, um, the policies weren't written in the last two years. So a lot of these things say that it requires somebody with registered as a registered nurse. Um, and in the Fair Work Australia policies, paramedics and ambulance officers are sort of covered under a separate one that are actually mainly just in... Um, ambulance environments um, however there is a health professionals one which now that we are registered we can fall under that health professional so it's not easy and it's certainly um, not common and I guess a question asked is what value do paramedics bring over a nurse in this position so that's going to depend on the GP surgery that you're employed in and what their scope of practice is and I guess, the knowledge of the skills of a paramedic. But I think that certainly, yeah, as a paramedic, we offer great value. We obviously have a good understanding of emergency care. We, many of us, after years of experience, have got a good understanding of chronic diseases um, and their progression. But there's still a lot of CPD that you need to do to be able to, I guess, practice in that. But that's no different to a nurse who comes out of grad school. They've still got to do CPD to come and do that. I guess it's just more of an alternative uh, person or type of health professional that could be employed in those sorts of areas. Yeah, great. So, uh, great to see the industry uh, opening welcome medics into, into other areas. Uh, so speaking of other areas, uh, my next question is going to be about uh, working in academia as a paramedic. Um, is it actually fair to say that you've been working in academia most of your career now? Uh, coming up to almost a 50-50 split in a few years' time, actually, which is a bit scary. That's <laughs> right. Um, would you like to tell us about how you transitioned from, uh, I think you on road at the time, into education? Um, yeah. and some of the advantages and disadvantages or disadvantages to working in academia versus ambulance paramedic or, or other paramedic role? So when I um, started my role as an academic, um, I was still casual. I was living in Perth and I was still casual with Ambulance Victoria. And I did actually have intentions of coming back um, to AB as a full-time paramedic on road. And I got a tap on the shoulder from a former colleague from AV, uh, Nathan Ross. Yes, I'm going to dob you in there, Nathan, um, who needed some sessional staff members um, to help with the clinical skills units at Edith Cowan. So that's how I sort of got introduced into it. And, yeah, actually quite enjoyed it. I remembered I liked teaching people. Uh, so that was, yeah, good fun. And then that sort of led on to a few other sort of contracts and then teaching a theory unit and eventually, yeah, a full-time position in academia, which was a change. Um, 
I personally didn't think that's where my career would go when I started as a paramedic and certainly within that sort of two-year period when I was living in Perth and casual in Victoria, uh, that's not what I guess I had planned out. I sort of always envisaged I'd go back to AV um, on road. But as it turned out, I quite enjoyed it. And despite uh, early in my graduate paramedic career dissing research to the lecturer out the front of the Alfred Hospital ED, sorry, Kate, uh, can't well about that. I have since done a master's and, as you know, I'm enrolling in my PhD at the moment. I've been involved in a lot of research projects at ECU and really enjoying it. And I guess I've come around to some of the really early progressive thinkers in paramedicine discipline that research is really important and paramedically research is really important uh, to progressing our career and making us all better health professionals and I guess getting the recognition for the hard work that everybody does and that we are more than just an ambulance. We are registered and health professionals now and can con contribute, I think, more widely to the health um, industry and services in our various states and countries and territories. Yeah, well said. Uh, do you have any tips for anyone that uh, was currently working as a paramedic clinically and, and would like to transition into academia? Anything you'd tell that person? Um, yeah. So I think the first thing is that in academia, you do need to have what they call a plus one qualification. So you need to have a academic qualification above the qualification that you're teaching. So if you are looking to go into academia, I would say get enrolled in a master's, uh, consider doing a PhD uh, in the future and find an area that you're sort of passionate in if you're going to do a research master's. A clinical master's is absolutely fine if you're not planning on being the vice chancellor of the university or, you know, the senior manager somewhere. Um, if you're quite happy just doing teaching in academia, a master's is I'm sure that someone at a university is throwing something at me now. Um, you know, you could get away with the master's if you're happy to stay sort of, I guess, at that bottom academic level. But if you want to progress at the university, you will need to do a PhD. Uh, so that would be my recommendation. And you could probably get involved as a casual staff member teaching some of the clinical units, particularly for a lot of the bigger programs around Australia. It's not possible as a, you know, small academic team to teach the numbers of students that are coming through clinical classes and that's sort of a way to dip in and see if you enjoy it yeah great and remarkable to hear about your uh, your 180 degree journey that you've done in your time yes uh, i do feel like a hypocrite uh now but as kate kindly did say to me a couple of years ago when you said that that unit was useless to you at that point in time. It took you 10 years to realise it was useful and you probably would have benefited from taking it 10 years later. There you are. Uh, okay, let's change the topic again. Uh, this time, too, you mentioned that you started in Victoria and you now work in uh, Western Australia. Um, is there anything you'd like to talk about in moving, transitioning between the states uh, or states and territories, um, you know, in, in reference to paramedic standards, for instance? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been interesting, obviously, being a foreigner in Western Australia, coming from Ambulance Victoria and working alongside the paramedics um, that I do that have worked at St. John WA at Edith Cowan University. Um, you know, you do realise there's obviously a lot of similarities, um, but there is 
you know, like every organisation, there's differences in certain procedures and that sort of thing. And I've found it a really valuable learning experience, learning from the different ways people do things. And I guess it's easy to get caught up with our ways the right way, your ways the wrong way sort of thing. But that's not really how I look at it. I've also spent a little bit of time in the Northern Territory. And again, you know, they do things a bit differently. But in the environments and the states that everybody's working in, you, I guess, need to adapt that base paramedicine type knowledge and skills to your environment, how you would treat a patient with a fractured femur in St Kilda in Melbourne compared to how you're going to treat that patient in the middle of the outback who's fallen down at Kings Canyon or somebody else in rural or remote Western Australia. You know, there's going to be different things that you're going to need to consider when you're not so close to hospital as well but I think one thing that I think would be probably useful for people wanting to move around particularly now that we're registered as a national profession I think that it would be good to have a bit of a I guess baseline expectation keeping in mind that that every organization and hospital has their own protocol so to say but I think just a base standard of what everybody can do if they come that they come out as a graduate um, that would make teaching a lot easier than having to, I guess, adapt to certain state and territory uh, CPG so that students are prepared to go on ambulance placements within their state and territory, which is fair enough at the moment. So I'm all for the uh, people that are working hard on that national CPG project or national standards project. I think that's a really good initiative and it's exciting to see where that goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now, I've heard a few names uh, dropped, uh, or um, we've had Nathan Ross and Kate Cantwell, and I'd just give you an opportunity. Uh, any other inspirational uh, people or mentors that you've had along uh, your paramedic journey that you'd like to throw out to? There's been a few. Um, Alan Eve sticks to mind. I'm sure he is a mentor to formally and informally to many people. Um, but I was lucky enough to meet Alan early in my career, and I remember the first time he sort of helped me out was when I was doing an assignment at uni because we did our two years back then and then our third year part-time while we were working um, and he had actually just published a paper on anaphylaxis and I had something to, do, something to do with anaphylaxis that I needed to find some journal articles for and he kindly gave me his reference list from his paper and that pointed me in the right direction and yeah um, Alan's definitely been, yeah, someone that I've admired his pathway and obviously he's now the chief um, paramedic for Victoria, which is exciting and, yeah, he's someone that's certainly, I think, been a formal at times, an informal men mentor for me. Uh, Paul Simpson, more recently, who has, I will use the word inspired me to uh, take my PhD journey on and I guess opened my eyes up a bit more to research and, yeah, I guess helping to drive the profession forward. He's also doing that too. Kate Cantwell, yes, you still haunt me by from <laughs> research. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think I, I really admire a lot of the people that have, gone outside of I guess the traditional role and moved into research early um you know people like Bill Lord and Mel Boyle and Peter O'Meara doing such great things and they're still involved I mean most of them are retired 
paramedics now, retired academics, and yet you still find them research, you know, researching with younger academic staff and paramedics trying to do research. So I think it's exciting times, particularly for the young people coming through that, you know, in 15 years, you look at how much things is, things have changed and it's exciting to see what will happen over the next 15 years for our industry. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned Alan Eid. Uh, he actually, I don't know if you knew this, he describes you as a trailblazer in our profession. Uh, and he suggested that we ask you any tips that you might have for, say, an ambitious paramedic that is, like you described, looking to push our profession forward. What would your tips be for someone like that? Stay away from Alan by the sounds of he's going to say that. <laughs> Just joking. Um, tips, Alan, that's very kind words. Um, I don't necessarily think I'm a trailblazer, but appreciate the uh words of support so some tips um i think get involved outside of your ambulance service uh that's probably my biggest tip i think my biggest growth as a paramedic and an alleged trailblazer would be when i um actually stepped outside of my comfort zone and learned a little bit more about paramedicine as a bigger profession than just within your ambulance services and that's not to say that ambulance services don't play an essential role in the development of paramedics in this country because they absolutely do I mean the majority of paramedics are still employed by jurisdictional ambulance services that will always be the case and should always be the case Um, and they do provide people like me with such a great grounding as a paramedic Um, and I wouldn't be where I am now without my time at ambulance victoria because you know i learned so much there and got such great experiences and was able to be involved in so many different roles so if you've got an ambulance service that allows you to do secondments into different areas whether it's um, emr or referral service you know take those opportunities as they present them and get to know a bit more about healthcare and paramedicine because then you can i guess maybe with a set of fresh eyes find some gaps of what, how things could be improved and how paramedics can be better utilised within the whole healthcare system. Yeah, great tips. Thank you. Does that sort of help? Absolutely. Uh, that's all of our questions for you today. So thank you so much for joining us um, and thank you to everyone that's listening. Uh, I'll just wrap up by saying that if there is uh, someone that you'd like featured on the debrief, Um, you can send us an email with a suggestion to education at paramedics.org. Thanks again. Thank you for listening. We hope you found today's episode informative and relevant. For more information or questions, please visit paramedics.org or email us on education at paramedics.org. Be sure to tune in for our next episode airing next month.